Hello, kaiju lovers. Here is Nathan. Here's Nathan getting ready to have a Christmas special here for you. Max, fetch me my sedative. I I don't have any sedatives, and my name's not Max. But if you want to live stream with me, that'd be cool. But what would I wear? Uh, what you're wearing right now? Well, sorry about that. My guest has checked out. I guess we just had the shortest Christmas special ever of all time. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Come on. Sit down, you crazy Grinch lady. Grinch girl. Is that what what the, the Grinch calls all of his fangirls? Are they Grinch girls? Hope not. That sounds a little odd. It sounds a little odd. Okay, I get some headphones on you there. (laughs) Glasses. Glasses. (laughs) Something the Grinch doesn't need, right? (laughs) I guess not. Uh, So, yes. yes. Uh, Once again, hello. And in case you're wondering, this is my real sister. (laughs) What? (laughs) You have one of those? Yes, I have one of those. (laughs) Are you surprised? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, too. (laughs) You you might remember you've heard her on the podcast before. No, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, you're playing so coy here like you always do. (laughs) Yes, she's been you haven't been on as a guest. You've been on as a voice actor, voice actress. Actress, I'm Actress. a woman. Thank yes, you very much. Yes, yes, we, we we use proper terminology around here. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you uh, you have been playing <coughs> Jessica Shaw, aka Crystal Lady, on the show, which is what we're going to be talking about in the Patreon exclusive, the MIFB Max exclusive part of this little episode. After we talk about a movie. And the reason I talked you into I doing this interview, yeah, I was going to say I, the reason I talked you into doing the interview is because you wanted to talk about this movie, <laughs> and you might be surprised to find out, kaiju lovers, Surprise. what movie that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to MIFV Max number fifteen. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, specifically the two thousand version starring Jim Carrey. (laughs) You might be thinking, what? Why are you covering this? Well, I'll tell you why we're covering this. It's Christmas, and I wanted to do a holiday-themed episode, but let me tell you, holiday-themed kaiju material is a little hard to come by. There's some in the just general tokusatsu realm, but those are mostly just episodes of television. You know, like a weirdo episode of Ultraman Ace where the villain of the week is some sort of Japanese deity who is upset that Japanese people are celebrating a foreign holiday like Christmas, so he unleashes a monster to punish them. The Grinch? Oh. No, you would think. Oh, oh, oh. You would think. That, oh. that would just make sense. <laughs> also, Santa Claus shows up in that, and he's father of Ultra. So yes, according to Ultraman, Santa Claus is an Ultraman. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. Nope. So you might be thinking, but why this movie? Well, I would make the argument. It's tokusatsu. It has lots of special effects. Most of them are practical. That's, even though I don't think that tokusatsu has to be strictly practical effects, there are a lot of practical effects in this. Mm-hmm. Not as much CGI as you would think. Nope. It has suitmation and makeup, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I bumped my microphone. It's a fantasy story. Quit slapping the people. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It's a fantasy story. It's aimed at family and and kids, which not always the case with tokusatsu, but generally speaking. And as you were explaining to me, because this was your crazy yeah, idea. Yeah, no, yeah. You're sure. like, can I come on your podcast to talk about the Grinch? Why the Grinch? And as you put it, it's like, it's a monster movie. It is. And as I'll explain going through some of these notes yeah. that I have, I could make connections to things that my audience would normally be watching. But you know what the most important reason that we're covering this, Kaiju Lovers? She said so. Mm-hmm. It says that right here, all caps, because Sarah said so. Yep. I mean, are you going to say no to this? Are you going to say no to uh, look at the, uh, Look at that face. Look at those eyes. You can't say no to that. <laughs> and anyone who's not seeing this, there's another incentive to join MIFV Max, people. Yeah. <laughs> get to, all the visuals. Get all the visuals. All the funny visuals. <laughs> You're regular Cindy Lou Who, you know that? Ew, don't say that. No, no. Why, you don't like Cindy Lou? Nah. We can talk about that in a minute. Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Okay. So, since... You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to put in a section here, just realized, for a plot rundown. Wow. Well, you know what? We might quote it enough, but wow. Well, I was going to say, you know what? You know what? After I finish, after, you know what? Let's do it right now. You, Little Miss guest of the podcast, give us a rundown on this movie. There's a green guy who hates Christmas. There's a bunch of weirdo who's. We won't talk about what they are, but the who's. (laughs) Who love Christmas and the Grinch hates it. So he steals it from them, but then has a turn of heart. AKA his heart grows three sizes, <laughs> three sizes all at once. And he gives it back. But why does he hate Christmas? Um, well, <laughs> depends on what version we're talking about. We're talking about this version right here from 2000, uh, which Jim carry in the Jim Carrey version. He hates Christmas because he, wow. Wow. He just now hit the record button folks. Just now. <laughs> I'm going to have to rip the audio ah, from the beginning. The audio just got significantly better. You're welcome. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So the rundown of the Grinch is the reason he hates it is because he lived with the Who's for a while. And at Christmas time, he got made fun of and picked on. And therefore, he hates it. He literally picked up a Christmas tree and threw it. Uh, and then he runs and hides in the mountain and just hates from the mountaintop and then decides to steal Christmas because how dare they? How dare they? Yeah. And there is a child. There is a child. Her name is Cindy Lou. Not to be confused with Grogu. (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, I just saw, I just saw, this is, this is going to, all the Christian fans that know the Bible, but Simeon in the Bible is very excited to see the baby Jesus because God promised him that he would see him before before his death, Simeon's death. And I just saw a TikTok or like a Instagram reel video the other day where they take the, I want to see the baby. And, and they made it Simeon that says it <laughs> in the temple. He's like, I want to see the baby. Oh, and, my gosh. and it was actually Simeon. So, Wow. I thought that was clever. Wow. Also, you were talking to me just before we went live about how I was like, make sure you hit the record button. And then I. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I s most definitely said that. So, for all of you that are like, why is the sound so bad in the beginning? I warned him and he still forgot. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah. You got it. That's basically every version of this story ever. Because yep. there have been. This is one of three adaptations, I would say. Because you had the the, the cartoon Adaptations, from Adaptations, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say you had yep. the cartoon from the '60s directed by Chuck Jones. That's my favorite adaptation. You have this one, and then there was the 2018 version made by Illumination Studios of Despicable Me fame. My opinion on that one, to quote the Grinch, would be stink, stank, stunk. Oh, hot take. I know. We're not talking about that one, but yeah, <laughs> that one. I mean, say what you want about this version that we're talking about right now, but I found the 2018 version to be a little bit bland. Among other things. Or a but bit weird. Because Cindy Lou is really, looks really weird in that. Among other things. I understand why she wasn't in most of the promotional material. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And come on, Benedict Cumberbatch, you can do better. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. was excited about that, but you can do better. Anyway. I mean, I don't think it was all his fault, but yeah. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you there. But so just to give a quick rundown of the people who worked on this thing. Yeah. Before we get to the, you know, the main discussion Some of on this. Yeah. So it's directed by Ron Howard. So Opie. Yep. Made that joke before we started too. <laughs> <laughs> a little Opie. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> Andy. How did the Grinch steal Christmas? <laughs> and we have a screen. Now, admittedly, there are other, I found out doing research on this, that there were a lot of other people who worked on this script. They just weren't credited. Oh, but the yeah. credited screenwriters are Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman. But they went through like eight drafts of this thing. It was a lot. Wow. It was a lot. Obviously, it is based on a children's book, and I have some information on the children's book as well, called How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Really? Oh. Yeah, no, I knew that. You ignorant child. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think she plays my pseudo-sister on the podcast? Because <laughs> I am your sister? Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I'm grossly underpaid. Yeah, yes. I still owe you coffee <laughs> yep. for one thing that you did. Yep. And my shirt that says official actress. Uh, this is also true. Monster Island Film Board. I know people who make shirts. Hey, Patreons, help the dude out. Make, <laughs> make me a shirt, please. <laughs> uh, uh, does it have to say, like, official MIFV actress? Is that what? what yeah. Do you yeah. Okay. Yeah, because then they put your logo on it, and it's like free advertising every time I wear it. Oh, well, there you go. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, now, uh, and then it was produced by Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. So mm -hmm. he produced and directed it. 
And this is significant for me. I keep bumping my microphone. This is significant for me. I don't know how significant he is for you, but the music was by James Horner. I got nothing. This guy has done film scores for a lot of different movies, but the reason he's significant for me is he's done scores for a lot of Star Trek movies. Uh, that would explain why I know nothing. Mm. Star Trek is not my... You will know nothing and you will like it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on our cast here, we have Jim Carrey as the Grinch and your phone. Yep, sorry, I'm going to put it on the floor. There so you go, smart move. I will do the same. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> so Jim Carrey was a it was probably at the height of his popularity when we got around to this. The guy had been in a bunch of very popular comedies, a couple of dramas as well. Yep. You know, this is well after The Mask and Ace Ventura and oh, yeah. Liar Liar and which is also cinematic. Yeah, yeah. but. What? I said, that's also cinematic gold. But. Oh, yes. I'm not disagreeing with you there. He was also in some questionable roles, like he was the Riddler in Batman Forever. <laughs> Yikes. Not the best casting, I'm going to say. Although he was also, I think at this point, he was also in The Truman Show. That's one of my favorite yeah. films of his. Yeah. So you know, Jim Carrey, getting Jim Carrey was a big, big deal. Yeah. In this. And I actually understand how it how he would be a good choice for this. The man has been known forever and a day yeah. for wearing for having a rubber face. Oh, and yeah. actually, one of his first movies, as I mentioned, was The Mask. He wore prosthetic makeup in that. Yeah. So, but he's yeah, his faces are classic. Like he's definitely making faces and everything. I mean, he makes faces in Liar Liar even. So like, yeah, yeah. To my surprise, the uh, for what I read, and if I'm wrong, please tell me. <laughs> from what I read, the when he does the smirk, the classic smirk from the cartoon series, yeah. that's actually his face. They didn't enhance that. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. It's Jim Carrey. I really don't doubt that at all. I mean, I'm just thinking back to Jack Nicholson when he was in Batman '89 as the Joker. When uh, to get that permanent smile, they actually put wires in his face to make it Ooh, so he just ouch. always smiled. Yikes. I'm glad that's not what they did because, wow. Well, he needs to do more faces than just that. You know, but the Joker is supposed to right, be his right. face is permanently smiling. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And then we also have, <laughs> she makes her film debut, <laughs> Taylor Momsen mm -hmm. as Cindy Lou Who. You love her. Uh -huh. Love is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I don't want to date no, you. I, I don't want to date you too hard, but the first time you saw this movie, you were about the same age as her. You're not wrong. You're <laughs> not wrong. Uh, no, I will say, like, she's a good little actress. I just, it's hard to take her seriously as Cindy Lou Who. And then, yeah, I'm sure we'll get there, but the song also. The song. Oh, we need to talk about the song. I just, I can't. We'll get there. We'll get there. Get I know. It's like, it's a case here, of, yeah, I, yeah. it's one of those cases where you're like, I like the movie, but I hate the song, or at least that version of the song. I just don't like her singing it. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because apparently she's in a band. Yeah. I, for what but, I was, for what I've read of her in the years since then, yeah, she's in a, she apparently joined a punk band. She looks like a punk. Like the newer which picture. Which is also I saw weird to picture when you know, I know, right? Lou Who, so. Yeah. Which, we probably should have mentioned this at the start, but one of the reasons that we're covering this is we watch this every year. 
Oh yeah. This is what, like some weird thing that you and I have bonded over because I love it's the seeping original into, book. It's seeping into the entire family though. Like yeah. literally and we, like we quoted our mom all year. quoted it the other day. Like that's unusual. And she even knew it like, man, would you quit slapping the people? Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, put your hands to your, keep them in it's your the, lap. It's these. It's yeah, my, it's yeah. my headphones. Okay. Stop it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, no, it's just interesting that like we can definitely quote it and people like in our family now quote it all the time and they know mm-hmm. it. And all year long too. All, yeah. All year. Yeah, for sure. Something will just happen. I, I'm famously quoting it all the time and half the time my friends are like, why is that supposed to be funny? Cause they can tell I'm like pausing for dramatic effect and then yeah, nothing. But anyway, cast. Yes. Cast. So yeah, Taylor Momsen. And then we had Jeffrey Tambor as Mayor Augustus Mayhu. He's actually known for doing a lot of things, a lot of television. Although another movie that he's in that I really like is Clue. You ever seen Clue? I'm not sure that I have. Actually. Oh, you should. Say, I should show that to you sometime. Yeah. That one has a lot of famous people in it. It's okay. based on the board game. It's one of like two movies in the universe based on a board game. Well, yeah, I know what the board game yeah, is. Yeah, and he's Colonel Mustard. Interesting. I could see that, though. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have Christine Baranski. Baranski, yes. Baranski as Martha May Huvier. Are you detecting a pattern with the names? I wonder why. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I should be hitting the you know the rim shot button for all of these, also, I feel like. How terrible is it if your name is Louie Lou Who? <laughs> Bill Irwin, the and next guy. And now I suddenly have the urge to sing the Louie Louie song. <laughs> what? Louie Louie. Hey, hey. It gets changed into a Christian song, a parody too. Okay. So. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, Bill Irwin is Louie Louhu. That has a very Susian ring to it, admittedly. But yes, yeah, he is Cindy Lou's dad. And then we have Molly Shannon as Betty Lou Who. I'm just glad none of their names are Boo Who. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and then this is interesting. Anthony Hopkins is the narrator. And not I, the, he doesn't have a Who name? Like, come on. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. The Who narrator? <laughs> this is actually kind of following in the tradition of the animated version from the 60s. Yep. Because you know who the narrator was in that? Not offhand, no. Boris Karloff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Who famously was in horror movies. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins. He's been in a lot of stuff. But he was famously Hannibal Lecter. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, seems... Very appropriate. And he has a good voice for narration. Yeah, no, he does a great job. He has yeah. one of those voices that, you know, people will joke. It's like, he, you know, this person could read the phone book and it would sound amazing. <laughs> yeah. I know yep. some people like that. Yep. He's one of those guys. Jim Carrey's great at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the ones we quote all the time. Yep. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. So just uh, some background here on the film, because this is the kind of stuff that people come to the Monster Island Film Vault for. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Produced by Image Entertainment, released by Universal Pictures. That's the first thing where I'm like, I got loose connections for you to justify doing this. Universal. What is Universal famous for doing? 
They made monster movies. Told you it was a monster movie. And they did make at least one King Kong movie. And they think they own the rights to King Kong. They think? It's complicated. All right, I don't want to open that bag of worms. <laughs> I did a whole episode about it. You'll have to go and listen to it. It's complicated. Yeah, so Loose Connections. So it was released November 8th, 2000 in L.A., Got a wide release November 17th. It had a budget of $123 million, which seems like chump change now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inflation. Yep. And it was quite successful. It made $345.1 million worldwide. Despite the fact that critics were lukewarm at best about it. And it was kind of popular for at least some audience members to hate on it. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's Although shifting I a bit. Much. I do hate on the song, but well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it's shifting a bit now and we'll talk about that. So interestingly, this was the first feature film adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book. Now, Dr. Seuss worked on a lot of animated specials, some of which we've seen. In fact, <laughs> We watched yeah. one with the family for Halloween wow. at the suggestion of our brother Jared. Because he's like, hey, painful. did you know that there's a Halloween Grinch prequel? Oh, sure, we'll watch that. It was one a of the painful. weirdest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a little painful to watch. <laughs> it was It was interesting. It was bizarre. But it, is what yeah. it was funny yeah. enough, as you'll see in a later section here, as I have some information on on uh Dr. Seuss, he won an award for that. For the Halloween one? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, no, he worked on something. I can't remember the full title, but it's like, it's the something, something of Dr. Teeth. It was made in the 50s. Dr. Teeth? Yeah. Was I he, could be misremembering that. You'll be a dentist. You should watch that one. Okay. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. It's Is a he, musical. I've seen Little With, Shop of Horrors. I'm you have? Sure. I think so. With Rick Moranis and the singing plant? Uh, if I have, it's been a while, but yeah, I think so. You make me proud. Anyway, I I, <laughs> it's like the one thing that we like things we like cross over monsters and musicals. Musicals is a, probably a better bet than monsters. Unless no, it's like, no, monsters for me, musicals for you. Oh, and then those come to, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, we should yeah. watch it again sometime. Jared yeah. has it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's probably how I've seen it. It has two endings. That I did not know. But yeah. anyway, back to the Anyway, yeah. Here. So, first uh, first adaptation, screen adaptation, big screen adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book. Okay. It's one of only two in live action. The other one is 2003's Cat in the Hat <clears throat> with Mike Myers. I refuse to watch that one. I have seen it. I'm I, sorry. I don't remember liking it a ton. Um, I mean, I was with fun people, but I was also only 10, so... You just dated yourself I right sure there. I sure did. It's all right. And then, you know, like, and then there's been some other ones. There, I think I think I counted only four. If you're talking big screen adaptations, so you have this Cat in the Hat, The Lorax, which is animated, and Horton Hears a Who, which is animated. Those are the only ones that I can think of. Yeah, I feel think. like there's one more, but I'm not sure what it is. There might have been one more recently. I don't remember though. I don't remember either, no. but. 
I know that there there was a television show that I think was at least Seuss inspired. There are musicals based on his work. Seussicals. Seussical. Yeah, there, yeah, there's one called Seussical. Mm-hmm. There's a I think there's a stage version of The Grinch. Oh, there's that a would stage not version. Me there's all. a I think there's a stage version of Cat in the Hat. Okay. Yeah. And for a while, this was the second highest grossing holiday film behind Home Alone. That's a classic I grew up with. That's not a monster movie. It's not a monster movie. Sadly. Can't I can't I can't I can't stretch the definite you know, the unless you're gonna per- call I, the, I can't stretch call the burglars monsters because they're just so evil. Well, maybe. I mean but I, I sorry, I can't stretch <laughs> the purview right. of the podcast enough to talk about <laughs> to talk about home alone, <laughs> even though I love it. But so it was it was the second highest until interestingly it was surpassed by the 2018 version. Well, I'm going to attribute that to inflation. That's how I feel about the 2018 version. Wow. Did you see that? She, <laughs> she stole the button. I sure did. She stole the button. You saw that. It's on the record. It's definitely on the record. All right. Some more background. This did win an Oscar. As much as it got panned by critics, it won an Oscar That's for right. Best Makeup. I mean, the makeup is very impressive. Yes. Yeah. And it was nominated for two other Oscars, in case you care about such things. And there are other awards that it was nominated for or won, but, you know, the Oscars are such a big deal. No one cares anymore, but... <laughs> but it was also not... I bet not- Oscar cares. Yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> Can someone please get him some pants? I'm the, just saying. The turtle. The, oh... <laughs> Unless you live in our area of Indiana, that joke won't make any sense. Although I did put Oscar the on Monster Island. He gets name dropped in an wow. episode. He has been moved he to Monster Island. He left Cherubusco and went he to Monster He was moved Island? from Cherubusco to Monster wow. Island. Okay. Gets to hang out with Daddy Gamera, I guess. Okay, then. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I know who Gamera is. <laughs> oh, you know about Gamera. I, I'm catching on. Uh, you're man. catching on. <laughs> I'm rubbing off on her. Can you tell? Stop. <laughs> Just because it's soft does not mean. Ow! She hit me. There's a reason you casted me as Crystal Lady. Uh, so. Yes, there is. <laughs> Which we'll talk about in the Patreon yeah, section. Yeah. But yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, and also best costume design was nominated. Yeah, and oh, best art design, art direction, I should say, and best costume. They, they got to give some of that costume design to Jim Carrey though for cutting out the Santa suit. True. <laughs> True. So, interestingly, and though there'll, uh, there'll be a little bit more information about him later, but Theodore Seuss Geisel, I hope I said that right. Is it Geisel? Geis- Geisel could be Geisel. It's German. Geisel would sound more Geisel. German to me. But Sounds more German. I'm not German. You know. so. But, so, but he was Dr. Seuss, obviously. He refused his entire life <laughs> to have uh, offers to have his books adapted into films. But after he died in 1991, his widow, Audrey, started negotiating merchandising deals. It's like Spaceballs. Merchandising. Merchandising. I clearly have not seen that movie. You should. Recently. It's a Star no, Wars No, I've parody. seen it, but I don't think I've seen it recently enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, in a letter that Audrey... It's funny, talking about Audrey, the person we just talked about, Little Shop of Horrors, Audrey 2, and Audrey the girl, and then anyway. Uh, in a letter about film adaptations, 
She wrote, quote, any actor submitted for the Grinch must be of comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman, end quote. Well, they didn't need anybody to compare because it just was Jim Carrey. <laughs> Although, sometimes I wonder if it had been Robin Williams. You mean like if it would have been better if it was Robin Williams? No, I, I don't know if it would have been better. It's just like, what would it have been like if it was Robin Williams? I think you still would have had the <clears throat> manic energy. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but I, probably I think not the, the rubber face stuff. I don't know. The, you know, the rubber face Robin expression. could do some of that. I think he could have could have handled some of that, but I just don't think. I mean, Robin would have been off the cuff, but I think off his off the cuff stuff would have been very different, right? Than Jim's, right? Um, it probably. So. I'm I'm guessing his his take on the character would have been more like a dark version of the genie. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, like a yeah. grungier genie. Yeah, rough around the edges genie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I would expect. Color. But I'm a you know I'm a bigger fan of Robin Williams than I am of Jim Carrey. No oh, offense. Oh yeah, me but... too. Yeah, for sure. No, Robin Williams is yeah, classic. Oh, rest in peace, Robin Williams. No, no kidding. Ah, oh, so so tragic. But speaking of Jim Carrey, some of his old pals wanted to direct this movie. Yeah. Ron Howard was not the first choice. We also had Tom Shadyac and the Farrelly brothers, who both worked with Robin. Well, excuse me, not Robin Williams, with Jim Carrey in some of his comedy films from the 90s, like Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. And, but it, the most interesting one that I found was John Hughes. So all of these people did pitch ideas to do a film version of this. John Hughes would have been interesting because John Hughes most famously did like teen and young adult dramas in the 80s, like The okay. Breakfast yeah. Club and 16 Candles yeah. and stuff like that. So that would have been a very different take, I think, on this. But they also considered having Tim Burton. There's a part of me that wishes that would have happened. I, well, and to be honest, I think there are points even in the finished product, it's like one or two steps away from being a Tim Burton oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's Ron Howard trying to ape <laughs> Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very possible. Um, I think it would have... It would have been a little darker, I think, but uh, no, I think I think Tim Burton could have done a very good job at it. I wonder how he well he would have worked with Jim Carrey. Yeah, I don't know. Could you imagine Johnny I that, Depp? I was going to say <laughs> what would probably what the joke would be is is like he gets okay, I'll do the movie, but I need Johnny. <laughs> I don't know why I made him pseudo-British. I don't know. It was a little weird. But <laughs> it was a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Johnny Depp is the Grinch. <laughs> wow. My mind is a little blown. Like I, but, I, I can kind of see it, honestly. But, but why is the eggnog gone? <laughs> no, why is it always gone? <laughs> Listen, do not quote the Pirates of the Caribbean to me. Uh, but he couldn't direct it because he was working on Sleepy Hollow. Also with Johnny, so that's like that's the only actor he ever works with. Nah, it's not the only one, but they—it's a joke. They definitely have a good relationship. Yes, they do. Yes, but that's it happens with a lot of directors. They have certain actors that they really like working with, so they just keep bringing them back all the time. I mean, Johnny's a good one to bring back. That Careful, man is, that man is talented. Careful. I don't care. Hot take, if you want. I don't care. He is a talented man. Uh, to but, be able to go from. To be able to go from like Edward Scissorhands to 
to Captain Jack Sparrow to Charlie and the Chocolate fa- like to be the Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, yeah. I'm just like, no, there's no way. And like, if you watch interviews of him where he talks about getting the voice for Willy Wonka, it's insane how quickly he can go from being like this really, you know, like grovelly, like Johnny Depp to. Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> the earth says hello. Like it's just terrifying how quickly he can go. <laughs> like it's I'm terrified at how quickly you did. <laughs> Don't forget he got killed by Freddy Krueger in his first movie. Yeah. He was just a boyfriend. Yep. He wasn't even the hero. No. Nope. He was on TV before that though. That's true. But funny enough, for what I read, they did try to get Jack Nicholson <laughs> to be the Grinch. I don't know how that would have turned. I, I that would have been Jack Nicholson is freaking insane. That's why he? he was the Joker. I was gonna say, was he the Joker? Yeah, was he was the me, Joker. There was a part of me that wanted to be like, I'm the Grinch, <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't Batman, so that doesn't work. He's close. I'm Grinch. <laughs> doesn't flow quite. It doesn't have nah. quite the right rhythm. <laughs> I'm Grinch, man. I'm <laughs> no, no, nah, that's no. dumb. That's uh, dumb. That's really, really dumb. And it, oh, and in case you're screaming at us about another adaptation of this story, screw talk. you. It's not real. We'll we talk about it later. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Anyway, so Ron Howard wasn't interested. We don't talk about Bruno either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I haven't seen Or Turbo. That. Only my power trip listeners will get that. Anyway, so Ron Howard wasn't actually interested in directing this until he read the book. He hadn't read it before? Apparently not, if I'm reading my sources correctly. And he's like, I like Cindy Lou. I want to expand on Cindy Lou. Wait, what? All right. Universal. It was was Opie coming back. (laughs) What? It was just his childhood, like, you know, Opie, young kid. Oh. Gotta, you know, expand. I was just like, he was feeling nostalgic for a book apparently he didn't read as a child. I mean, he might not have read it because he was on TV all the time. I don't know. There's there's some truth to that. Yeah, well, uh, and Universal, they paid a pretty penny for this. They paid $9 million to get the film rights to this and Oh, the Places You'll Go. And what have they done with Oh, the Places You'll Go? Apparently, use it as an Easter egg in this. According to an article you showed me. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I read the article after we got past that scene today. Right. Now, this is something, and as much as you like this movie, this has been, stuff like this has been one of the sticking points for me about this film. And it's still a bit of a sticking point for you as much as you love it. And that is, and that's, I think, I'm pretty sure that Shrek which is really well known for doing stuff like this. Yeah. I think that was 2001. And I think it was summer 2001. So we're talking maybe six months after this movie. Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. Right. And that was the one where it took this kind of cynical adaptation of fairy tales. It's kid-friendly for the most part, but I feel like it's meant a little bit more for adults because they throw in jokes that, at least in their defense, go right over kids' heads. Yeah. Generally speaking. Thank goodness, to a certain extent. But But there's some naughty humor in this one that bugs me. Because I feel like it is out of place in this story. It doesn't feel very Seussian. Oh, no, not at all. But from what I heard, from what I read, the earlier drafts were worse. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So this quotation I found here, quote, 
Audrey Geisel. Geisel? We haven't settled on a pronunciation yet. I would say Geisel. Geisel. Audrey Geisel objected to several jokes and sexual innuendos in the screenplay, including one about a family who did not have a Christmas tree or presents, jokingly called the Hoosteins, and the placement of a stuffed trophy of the cat in the hat on the Grinch's wall. Oh, it's on the Grinch's wall. That actually makes some sort of perverse sense there. That actually actually might have been kind of funny. I mean, I feel like it can't be any worse than the Disney Easter egg of Scar as a rug in Hercules. Yeah. So, I mean, it it could have been worse. Yeah. And quite frankly, I'd rather have Cat the Hat's head in on Grinch's wall than some of them they left in. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the funny thing is, even though there's a few instances where they kept it in there, and you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, yeah. that I think what separates st- most of the stuff you see you see in here in Shrek from what you see in this is that it generally goes over kids' heads, or even some of the stuff that's been in some Disney movies, like in The Incredibles, yeah. which was a few years after this, where Syndrome catches all you know the family of heroes, mm-hmm. and he's like, like Mr. Incredible, you married Elastigirl and got busy. I mean, that's yeah, gonna that's, that's gonna, gonna go, go over, over kids' kid. heads yeah. probably, yeah. or maybe they'll kind of get it if they've had the talk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, maybe, but that's a big maybe. Yeah, even then they might be like, yeah, busy doing what?" You know. Yeah, like, and then they'll just move on because superhero stuff happens after that. Yeah. So, you know, but this, it's not going over the kids' heads. Some of it does. Uh, the keys, for sure. The keys, yes. Because that's supposed to be, it's, it's a swingers party. Yeah. I'm like, you could cut that out and it just would have been a regular Christmas party. I don't know why that was there. The only thing I can think of that maybe they thought it was an Easter egg because it, all the keys went into a fishbowl. Maybe. I, I feel like that's that that's pushing it though yeah like if that's really why they left it there that's dumb you could have done something else that is and then yeah there's a some kind of really mild profanities in there which i'm surprised they left in and then there's the 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 dog scene the dog scene that i'm like why just why that's not going over kids heads no and the admittedly i think it's funny but they pucker up and kiss it, Whoville. Yeah. yeah it's funny, good. but I'm like, really? <laughs> That's yeah. kind of Jim Carrey getting back to his Ace Ventura shtick a little bit there. Yeah. But speaking of Jim Carrey, here's another quotation for you. Quote, Jim Carrey admitted to feeling ashamed for not trying to prevent some of the adult humor in, the, in this movie and has repeatedly stated that all of the jokes he ad-libbed were age-appropriate he then found out that producer and director ron howard had removed many other jokes that weren't oh that were even raunchier but had to keep some of it due to what they both claim as quote-unquote studio interference i i just have a hard time believing that there were people that really wanted it to have that in there studios like, the executives will make dumb decisions like that because they think they know what people want when really they don't keyword there was dumb yeah yeah no yeah i i'm it makes me a little happy to know that jim didn't want those there um 
because that, that makes me feel a little bit better about what does take place, knowing that like even some of the people who were part of the creative process and making it come to life on screen were like, why? <laughs> but yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think they could have gone for a G rating with this or a much tamer PG and it would have been fine. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's what kind of that's the thing that frustrates me the most about this. There's some other things that frustrate me, but in terms of content and kid friendliness, mm-hmm. that's where I take some umbrage with it because the yeah. I mean the book is so good. I'm a I'm an unabashed Dr. Seuss fan. Okay, call me weird if you want. I think Dr. Seuss is a genius. Oh, I don't disagree. Yeah, and I love that story. I love that book. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel like the movie quite gets it gets the story and the adult humor is part of that. And I'm glad at least Jim Carrey was sensitive to that. I think he knew. Well, it was supposed to be a family movie. He clearly knows. You know, if I'm doing a family movie, I should not be doing some of the stuff. Well, yeah, it's here. I mean, he yeah. was he was a comedian. He was on TV doing sketch comedy. It's actually how he kind of got started before he was in movies. He was on a show called In Living Color. It was like kind of mm-hmm. like Saturday Night Live sketch comedy. And he was very good at ad-libbing. Most of the Grinch, from what I heard, the, most of the Grinch's lines are ad-libbed. Yeah. No, and, I've, I've read that. I've <laughs> read in. Dirty duty, dirty duty, black man, I really, slip. I really hope that one was from Jim Carrey's brain because like, oh my gosh, we quote that one a lot. But <laughs> no, I, I think I read somewhere that the entire scene that I kind of recreated when we started tonight of him changing hit like out of the cloak that he had on when he was down in, in the in Whoville, uh, all of that behind the screen with the silhouette of him where he's like, rah, 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 and he like drags off a dead body and then comes out normal. Like, I'm pretty sure I read that was completely like, he just got back there and went <laughs> and did the whole thing. Like as all Jim Carrey's imagination. And then they just leave it. Like, it's I mean, Jim what are you going to do? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, I was just saying, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. there's some other bits that I'm pretty sure. There, I would have. I would love to look at the script for this and find out how much of what the Grinch says was actually scripted, or how much of it was just Jim say stuff like this. You know, say stuff about this. <laughs> I would not doubt it. I really wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and then this I found fascinating. The and I, this has quickly become a lost art because they don't like building sets anymore in Hollywood. Dumb. But they built this on the Universal lot. Behind the Bates Motel. <laughs> yeah, uh, what from I, Psycho. What, what I want to know though is, is, is it still there? Oh, Whoville? Yeah. The Bates Motel, I think, is. Oh, for sure, that's iconic. The, I'm sure that's still there. I'm trying to remember the Bates Motel. I'm trying to remember if the Bates Motel. It's got to be there. Is uh, it's either still there or it's been moved or something like that? Well, but okay. it, it stood right. there for decades. All I know, I know is sure. I I want to go see Whoville. Like that'd be pretty legit. Although maybe they moved it to Universal Studios. It's possible. Because I, this year especially, I've been seeing a lot of videos of like uh, cosplayers basically that are playing the Grinch at, at Universal. So No, I think it's actually a guy who works at Universal, and it's clearly the Jim Carrey version. Okay, yeah. Not just a cosplayer. Oh, no, it's definitely. It's people who Jim, work there. Oh, for sure. All right, and then, again, this is why I say it's Tokusatsu. The Grinch suit and makeup were designed. Here's my other loose connection to justify doing this. Were designed by Rick Baker. 
Rick Baker has done a lot of work in special effects, particularly with practical effects, and he famously played King Kong. 1976. Covered that movie on this very podcast with John LeMay. All the way back at season one. So he's very good at making hairy suits. Yes. Mm. Whether that be for Jim Carrey or a tiny person. Yeah. <laughs> so this suit was span was spandex and it was covered with yak hair dyed green. Yak. Took me a second. That's because that's a little delayed. Whoop. And while Jim Carrey says it took eight hours to get into, it was actually two and a half. And that frustrated the snot out of him. He hated wearing this thing. I, I mean, Jim Carrey probably just had a hard time sitting still that long. <laughs> like, how long is this makeup going to take? <laughs> oh, it's like forever. <laughs> so... This caused some trouble because he did not like wearing this thing. So the makeup artist on the film was a guy named Kazuhiro. Japanese. So again, loose connection. I was going to say, we're (laughs) starting to sound pretty good here. Yeah. He was quoted as saying, on set, Carrie was really mean to everybody. And at the beginning of the production, they couldn't finish. After two weeks, we only could finish three days worth of shooting schedule. Because suddenly he would just disappear and then he came back. Everything was ripped apart. We couldn't shoot anything. End quote. Jim Carrey almost quit. This guy was going to quit because of it. Ron Howard had to convince both of them to stay on. I just want to point out that he says on set, Carrey was really mean. I mean, he, he's the Grinch. He's also a mean one. He was in character. Come Maybe on. he was Jeez. just in character. Jeez. Uh, uh, but it was so hard. He said it felt like being buried alive wearing this thing. I Honestly, looking at it, I, I don't doubt it. That does look like... I read online today that even some of the, like, the who's had to put straws up their nose in order to breathe in those prosthetic noses that they were wearing so like i don't even want to like i hate getting sick and having a stuffed up nose and feeling like i can't breathe i can't imagine wearing that and then having to act with it yeah no yeah and apparently he says he he used torture endurance techniques taught him by a cia agent to get through this i have also heard that so (laughs) Got to be true, right? We've heard it from several sources. It's the it's, story it he tells. Good. It sounds good. Uh, I, I just, can you imagine being that guy? A guy who's worked for the CIA, okay? Been all over the world, probably toppled a government or two. Seen some things. Seen things. And he gets called over by Jim Carrey and he's like, you have to help me. Do what? Wear this costume. It's green. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I would have loved if the CIA officer like showed up and the first thing they did was he sat down with Jim at a table and said, here's a piece of paper and a pen. You're going to take some notes. All right, cool. What am I going to write first? 
the pen is red. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Oh, I get it now. All right. So this, according to one of my sources, has this had the most. Oh, excuse me. Also, according to my sources, no movie other than this has featured so many characters in heavy makeup and costumes since The Wizard of Oz. And our mother loves that movie. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a great movie, but I don't doubt it. And honestly, like when it comes to the makeup stuff, that makes me think of The Tin Man. Because The Tin Man was a source of a lot of problems in The Wizard of yep. Oz. Um, they had, wasn't there one guy that was, he was allergic to, to the and makeup he was allergic to the makeup and like he had to quit like, yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. And then apparently Mr. Carey's Grinch accent was inspired by Sean Connery. You know, I never knew that until you told me that earlier, but honestly I can hear it. Like it's kind of crazy. I'm now. the Grinch. Yeah. Like it's definitely. I'm there. the name is Grinch. The Grinch. <laughs> I, I, I hear it. Like, it's definitely there. Now I suddenly want Sean Connery to voice the Grinch. But he's kind of nah, dead now. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think that would be great. But it's interesting to hear the processes that the actors take to find the voices that are iconic to us now. And oh, I, is, that, is that a preview of the Patreon section? <clears throat> no, probably not. Because <laughs> honestly, I basically just play myself. So. <laughs> we'll get to that. Save we'll it, save it, save it. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah, to be continued. But no, I mean, like I was telling you earlier, like there's, there's obviously I quoted Johnny Depp and like him finding his Willy Wonka voice, but then also I've heard things about Tom Hanks finding his Forrest Gump voice. Right. And so just, it's just interesting. I, so I come from an acting background. Um, and Save I, it for the Patreons. I will, I will. But I'm just saying that process fascinates me. I know. And so knowing that he based it off of Sean Connery is just, it's, it's intriguing. So. I mean, I, I know, I know what you're talking about because now I've been doing some voice acting on some other oh, podcasts, yeah. not just this one. Yep. With you and and all of that, but uh, you know, I I play one of the bad guys on Power Rangers the audio drama, and I had to go through a process because I don't use my natural voice for the bad yeah. guy. So you know, but that's a story for another day. So got to talk about the song. I know you love the song so much. Do we have to? <laughs> Gosh. Where are you, Chris? For a split second there, when you said where, I thought you were going to sing the VeggieTales song, and I was like, Nathan, <laughs> what? that is a wrong song. What VeggieTales song? Are you kidding me right now? What kind where of- Where is my hairbrush? Yeah. Oh. Oh, my gosh. I haven't watched VeggieTales in forever. Neither have I, but that's a classic. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. But apparently this was written by Mariah Carey and performed by Faith Hill. I mean, I don't doubt that, but like, why would Mariah Carey not sing it? Well, it says she was initially going to release her recording. But due to legal disputes between herself and her ex-husband, Tommy Matula? Matolo. Matola, excuse me. What? Who was who the chairman of her label? She couldn't do it. So Faith Hill had to bring wow. in a re-recording of the song. Mariah Carey got to keep uh, the songwriting credit, 
but she got the producing credit. Faith Hill. Wow. That's unfortunate. <laughs> like, you write the song, and then you can't sing it? That stinks. Yeah. And it, it there's a couple versions of it in this. There's one that sounds more like a little bit of a choir singing at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, like the who are, we, yeah. the who's are singing it. Yeah. yeah. And then we hear Faith Hill singing in the credits. Mm-hmm. But then there's your favorite version. When Cindy Lou sings it. No. In the movie. That is my absolutely least favorite. Please tell the kaiju lovers why you don't like oh, that. Oh, man. Um, so well, I. Well, for one thing, it should be known you have perfect pitch. <laughs> I yeah, pretty darn near perfect pitch. Although I've seen, I've seen some videos of some. Um, oh gosh, I don't remember that artist's name right now off the top of my. Oh, Charlie Puth, he has perfect pitch, and like that man has such good perfect pitch that like he was on a talk show and the guy like clunked like a spoon against a coffee cup and he knew exactly what. No, I'm not that good, <laughs> but yes, like what about I, mom though? Mom definitely would have more perfect pitch than I do. Um, even dad has pretty good pitch, um, so definitely runs in the family. Um, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't. Um, but, yeah, so I, I come from a singing background and an acting background, which we'll get into probably more later. But with my singing background, <laughs> the girl that plays Cindy Lou who sings it or I don't. Is it even her? Taylor that sings Momsen. It? Does and Taylor uh, that sing is it? her. No. It is her. That okay. was her. <laughs> I, I oh, just, Taylor Momsen. Excuse me. Yeah, I got the name wrong. My my thing is, is it's just unfortunate. But she sounds so nasally. Which okay, cool. Yeah, she's a kid. She's a cartoon character. Maybe it was on purpose. But it just sounds really whiny. And I know the song is supposed to be kind of cry. You know, I'm sad. But it just almost is too much, and it's it's just laid on so thick. I just can't. I just can't. I know. Even I have to agree with you there. It's not great singing. There are better child singers in the world. Oh, for sure. Yes. I, I, almost, I mean, that's not me trying to throw shade on Taylor. Like I'd have never heard the rock band or punk band that she's in now. But like, again, maybe they wanted her to sound that way. I really don't know. But it just. Uh, I just can't. I don't even like nasally singers in like in general. Like I was just talking with somebody the other day about people that are adults and professional singers that sound nasally that I'm just like, I just can't just no. it's, it's improper technique when it comes to singing. It usually means you're singing from your head, uh, is what singers say instead of singing from your diaphragm. And so it's, it just tells me like there's, there's a host of problems that come with singing that way, but it also just doesn't sound good. Right. <laughs> so. Right. But yeah, I will admit it's not great. There's worse. There's worse. In the yes. World. Oh, for <laughs> sure there's worse. Yeah. I almost wonder if maybe they cast her because she looked cute enough to be Cindy Lou. I suppose. Yeah. And they're like, can you sing? Well, kind of. Okay, fine. We can work with it. <laughs> It'll drive this, this girl, Sarah, from Indiana crazy, but... <laughs> The only version of Where Are You Christmas that I can stomach is the Pentatonix version. Not even Faith Hill? (sighs) I mean, she's okay. (laughs) I I don't know. What if Mariah Carey sang it? 
Mariah Carey's got some pipes, so I think it might have been interesting. But does she need another Christmas song for people to hate every year? She really. Well, there's a lot of people that love that song that you were. I know, but it's popular to hate it because it gets played all the time. There's honestly though, like I hate it when people say that. Oh, I just hate that song because it's overplayed, and I'm like, typically, if it's overplayed, it's most likely because it's good. (laughs) Not always. <clears throat> well, hot take. I think the Frozen music is phenomenal, and people are so annoyed with Let It Go and everything else that came out of that. But like, it's good. Like, yes, okay, I'm tired of hearing it all the time, but like, it it's. Good. I think that's the problem. It's the overexposure. Yeah, I feel like that about certain like comic book characters and stuff. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing them. I know Batman is cool, but I don't need to see Batman all the time. That's just because you like Superman. Well, that too, but you know, but then there's like Deadpool and Wolverine. I'm like, there are other X Men. <laughs> you sure? They haven't been X'd. You didn't like that one? Darn. I'm trying. You said to be funny, so. Yes. Okay, fine. Thank you. Okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. But speaking of Cindy Lou. And actresses who played her, June Foray, who did the voice of Cindy Lou in the cartoon. Yeah. Didn't like this movie. Because of Cindy Lou Who? No. Um, uh, she said in her autobiography, Did You Grow Up With Me Too? That when she saw the movie, she thought Chuck Jones, who directed the cartoon, that he was unable to see it because his health was failing at the time. It was shortly mm-hmm. before his death. And she said after seeing the movie, she... Was glad he didn't see it because she thinks it would have finished him off. Wow. Yikes. Strong words. Yeah, that is pretty strong. I'm I mean, I can see why maybe, but at the same time, like ouch. Yeah. Like, if that one is bad, I'm glad he didn't see the twenty eighteen one. Um. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is that I, on paper, I think this is supposed to be an adaptation of the book, but in Ron Howard's mind, it's also an adaptation of the cartoon. Because there's stuff that oh, is yeah. exclusive to the cartoon, to the cartoon. adaptation yeah, sure. that they put into this, which is interesting because those were made; these were made by two completely different studios. Yeah. Because Universal made this, Warner Brothers made mm. the cartoon version. Hence why it was Chuck Jones. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was Warner Brothers. It mm. looks like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It does, yes. So, I could be wrong on that, could be wrong on that. But I'm, I'm sticking to it, because I'm pretty sure it's Warner Brothers. Mm. So, talk a little bit about Dr. Seuss himself to kind of put this into perspective a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the movie. Mm-hmm. So, his real name, I mentioned already, was Theodore Seuss Geisel. Born March 2nd, 1954, and died September 24th, 1991. I mention specifically his birthday because that factors into some info I got for you later. He was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. He is of German. close to the witches, but. What? Perilously close to the witches. Really? You know where Springfield, Massachusetts is? No, not really. Oh, okay. not, not offhand. I'm not that good okay. at geography. Okay. He's of German descent, and he actually experienced some prejudice after World War One, hmm. Which is funny because, well, we'll talk about that here in a second. <laughs> I'll mention it. He was the son of a brewer. Coffee brewer? Try booze. <laughs> oh, darn. 
booth. And he's he was Missouri Synod Lutheran. I am not entirely sure what that is. Do you know anything? I do not. I mean, I know Lutheran, but I don't know anything about this. this Missouri Synod Lutheran. Yeah, no, I know Lutheran, but I don't know that. That's interesting. I read that. I'm assuming, okay, that denomination sounds a little weird, but I'm looking at that saying, so he was a God-fearing man. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yes, quite. <laughs> he adopted the pen name Dr. Seuss while he was a student at Dartmouth College. Is he a doctor? He did go to get a master's, but he dropped out to become an illustrator. He went. He was in the program at Lincoln College, Oxford. So now, he's a master's, not a doctorate. So he's technically not a doctor? No, he's not okay. a doctor. I don't even think he got a master's degree. He dropped out. Right, yeah. Yeah, if I'm reading that correctly. And he did political... He was a cartoonist as well as a children's author. Mm-hmm. And during World War II, he was a political cartoonist. And he's written and illustrated over 60 children's books. Now, I bring up the thing about him experiencing prejudice and the fact that he was a cartoonist... Because he had a little bit of a, a Grinchian turn here, too. Oh, yeah? When he was a cartoonist during World War II, he did a lot of propaganda pieces. Heard a of lot them. of them were anti-Japanese. Anti-Japanese? Uh-huh. Okay. And then, if I remember the story correctly, this is not in my notes in here. This is I'm going off, off of memory with this. He visited Japan mm-hmm. after the war. And his heart grew three sizes? Yes, at least toward the Japanese people. Because he's like, you know what? They're not as bad as I thought. Huh. And supposedly, and supposedly this change of heart inspired Horton Hears a Who. Because a person's a person, no matter matter how how small. small. Yeah. Good job, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, so he came around. Because if you find some of his World War II illustrations. I think you've showed me a few. They're kind of awful. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, although apparently some people thought his children, some of his children's books were racist and banned them. You silly people. I saw one ten, today. We were, we've been hanging out all day. And uh, earlier today when we were at uh, Half Price Books, I saw one behind glass that was a Dr. Seuss book. I don't remember. It was which. one of the banned ones. It's like 300 bucks I don't now. know if it was one of the banned ones. I just oh, remember. It has, if it's it behind the glass, is, it's one of the banned it, ones. It probably was. I don't if remember. It was what it, like, if I owned a zoo. I think that that's might have one. Been what that's it was. one of the banned ones yeah, now. It was uh, like two hundred some dollars. Yeah, because it's banned the and they're not printing. And it I anymore. just was like, okay. It's because uh, there's uh, there's a there's one character. It's one illust- It's one character on one page that looks a bit like a quote unquote Asian stereotype. Was this before or after his change of heart, though? It was after. It's but it's just being retroactively banned. Oh. Because recently people thought it was but have bad. They read? It's been in publication for decades. Up until five minutes ago. So they, they canceled it only because they heard about him making the anti-Japanese no. stuff? No, they oh. just canceled it because they were looking at it. It's like, Ew, you know what? That looks insensitive and nobody likes Asian hate. Stop Asian hate. It's because he's green, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> anyway, just thought I would tell that story to people. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Yep, and he's won multiple awards, as you would expect. He has won the Lewis Carroll Shelf Award. He won that twice, 1958, 1961. 
That is an award given to what is considered the best children's literature of the year. Wow. Lewis Carroll, the man who wrote Alice so in Wonderland. So which ones in those years did he win for? Is that how that works? Like, does it have to yeah, be it's something one, he, he won for one year? of his books. But it has to be I don't one remember that was written ones. that year? Interesting. Okay. He also won a Regina Medal from the Catholic Library Association in 1982. And he got two Emmys. For his television specials. Nice. For one for Outstanding Children's Special, 1978. And if I remember correctly, that's the Halloween Grinch. Oh, my word. <laughs> and then one for Outstanding Animated Program in 1982. Okay. And the reason I mentioned his birthday is his birthday is a holiday of sorts. Dr. Seuss Day? Nope. National Read Across America Day. Read Across America? Yep, which is, quote, an initiative on reading created by the National Education Association. What does that mean? They want everyone to read. Across America? Yeah, everyone so it's across America. So it's a literacy thing. It's, yes. Okay, see, my brain went to, you know, all oh, the places you'll go. It's like, you know, we're reading across America from California to New York. <laughs> to me. I mean, that would make some sort of sense. Well, that's where my brain went. So I was like, of course what it does did. that even mean? Well, I like to travel, so. Yeah, no, this my is My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. And now I want to give a little info about the book itself, the source material, which, as I've already made abundantly clear, I love this thing. <laughs> So it was published in Red Book. It was a magazine. Interesting. They had it first. And then by Random House, October 12, 1957 and November 24th, 1957, respectively. So it was okay. in Red Book first. Then it was published as a, you know, as a book by Random House. Okay. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, this was not the first appearance of the Grinch. What? Yep. The uh, According to my source, quote, the Grinch first appeared in a 33-line illustrated poem by Dr. Seuss called The Hoobub. Is it? Hoobub, yeah. The Hoobub and the Grinch, which was originally published in May 1955 in Red Book. Hmm. I oh, did not know that. I want to find I want that. to read this now. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to find that. Yeah. And then... Here's the inspiration for the character. Again, go, we're talking about how he had a bit of a Grinchian turn mm -hmm. about the Japanese. Again, loose connections. Japanese. <laughs> Quote, Dr. Seuss claimed he was inspired. His inspir that Dr. Seuss claimed he was the inspiration for the character. He himself. Huh. As his wife's health problems and his dismay with the commercialization of Christmas made him feel, quote-unquote, very Grinchish as he looked in the mirror one year on December 26th. 26th? The day after Christmas. Right, but I'm just saying he, he had that feeling after Christmas was over? Yes. Okay, interesting. I was did waiting for you to make the obvious joke there. Did he take off his red nose? No, not that joke. Oh. I missed You it. reject your own nose. Well, that's what I said. Did he take off his nose? <laughs> because it represents the, the culture of commercialism. Yeah. No. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, those are lines from the movie. Why didn't no. I think of that? <laughs> Why didn't I think of No. What was he doing? Wait, what? What was he doing when he got this idea? He was looking in the mirror. 
Oh, come on, come on, do it. <laughs> Hello. No. Not yeah, that. he's talking to himself. <laughs> you hurt me. I was. I've been setting you up for the last two minutes <sighs> to make a music reference. Oh, man in the mirror. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking about the Grinch, man, not MJ. Come on. All right. You, since you have thoroughly murdered that joke, we're moving on. He <laughs> 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 You almost made up for it. <laughs> you almost made up for it. All right. He wrote it in a few weeks. So he got it, cranked it out pretty fast. He said it was the easiest book he ever wrote until the ending. He struggled with the ending. Yeah, I wonder why. He struggled with the ending because he was trying to figure out how to not make it preachy. Interesting. I thought you were going to tell me he struggled with the ending because he didn't feel that way. No. Interesting. No, he was because he was he wanted to make sure it wasn't preachy or saccharine or anything like that. And I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. with a book like this, a story like this, it could get easy to get preachy like that. So he really had to work hard to get that right. And this is kind of sweet. He dedicated the book to Theodore Teddy Owens, the one-year-old son of his niece, Peggy Owens. Oh, I need to check the newer editions to see if it's still in there. I have one. I can go home and check. I'll yeah, let you know. You'll have to let me know. I also really want the Portuguese version. I know you, you sent me a link to that. You found one that was in Portuguese. I think I read that the book has been translated into nine languages. I'm surprised it's not more. Yeah. But, I'm kind of surprised. Too. Well, the, I'm, I'm guessing his prose might be a little hard to translate uh, because of... It wouldn't rhyme the same. Because, yeah, yeah. It would, it would, you would lose a lot in the translation. Yeah, I could see and he that. Made, and he makes up a lot of words. Yeah. I definitely would be interested to, to see the Portuguese version. I've been trying to learn Portuguese. And so there was this fleeting moment about a month ago where I was like, oh, it'd be really good to, like, find children's books that are in Portuguese that, like, would be simple words. <laughs> I'm, right. like, I'm going back to, like, first grade. But, like, I and I was like... I love the Grinch. Let's see if they have that. And sure enough, Amazon, man, coming in close. Yeah. Well, like I said, I feel like a lot of stuff would be lost with that. It probably would. But it would still be fun. How do you translate the made-up words? You know? <laughs> probably. I mean, supposedly, Dr. Seuss invented the word nerd. Really? Yep. Interesting. I forget which book it was in, but he supposedly coined the, the term nerd. Huh. Is that why the like the nerds candy has the weird little cartoon characters that look like they could be straight out of a Dr. Seuss book? Maybe you're gonna send me down a research rabbit hole with that, aren't you? You're welcome. Good lord. <laughs> he look is what good. you do to me. He is good. Good lord. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so I have a handful. We've talked about a lot of stuff in this movie already, but I do have just kind of like some little points here that we can use as springboards to talk about some more stuff in this movie. Yeah. It's a guilty pleasure for me. I, I will admit that it's a guilty pleasure. Like I said, you I have not. issues. I have issues with this movie. You should movie not feel guilty. As an at least, well, one as a movie and two as an adaptation of that book. I get the feeling it's very nostalgic for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I just feel like I grew up loving it, um, grew up really enjoying the movie. I can actually remember today we were watching the movie, rewatching it before right. we did this. But, like, honestly, I can remember even on the one DVD that we have of it, there's, like, a little game with Max. And, I like, I can, like some of the quotes that I think I quote the most are because 
when you do something well in the game with Max or you do it improperly, like they show a clip of the movie where he, like the, like when you get something wrong, it'll show the clip of him building the sleigh when he's like, I asked you for three quarters, not five eights. Stay focused. And it's like, it's telling you that because you just got the answer wrong in the game. So like, I, I clearly liked the Grinch a lot when I was a kid, and it's very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was trying to remember when was the first time you saw it because we didn't go see this in the theater. We probably just you know went through a, a phase where we were buying Christmas movies for home, and it probably just you know came home for five some bucks or. I so. can't remember. Did we have it on VHS or DVD <clears throat> first? No, DVD first for was sure. It DVD. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was trying to remember that because I'm not entirely sure when I saw it first. I think, I mean, it might have been before I went to college or maybe when I was in college. I don't exactly remember. I do know I saw it not too long after it came out because it was kind of the thing to watch, especially for you know a couple of, the first couple of Christmases after yeah. it came out. And then... At some point along the road, I don't know when it evolved into what it is for us now. Because like I said, it's a guilty pleasure for me. It's nostalgic for you. And then it became this... I wish I could remember when it became this thing that we just bonded over. I honestly don't know. Except that, like, I clearly quoted a lot. And I feel like maybe you're just enough of a a movie nerd that you just catch like caught on and stuck with me. I don't know. I really don't know, but I definitely quoted all yeah. year. Cause I will tell you I, for a long time, the only reason I bothered to watch it again is because you wanted to see it. Yeah. Oh no. I love it. I mean, I, I love the old one too. Don't get me wrong. Like I love the one from the sixties and the, like the Chuck Jones one, but like, I don't know. There's just something about Jim Carrey that just, I, I honestly, I, I know we talked about other actors, but I have a hard time thinking that somebody else would have made it as good as Jim. Carrey. Well, okay. We've been dancing around that. So, you know, I do want to talk about it in comparison to those other two adaptations. Yeah. So, you know, I love the Chuck Jones version. I, Chuck Jones is just, he was a genius at animation. He yeah. directed a lot of Looney Tunes. He was one of, basically one of the founders of Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. one of the great pioneers of animation, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day like that. So the fact that he did The Grinch and he brought that talent and those sensibilities to it, it just seems so absolutely perfect. It's... And, you know, and Dr. Seuss was directly involved with that. So there are like all those things that are not in the book that they added. Like there's a couple of plot points that they added, like the, the part about him lifting the sleigh off of the mountain to keep it from falling. Yeah. That was added in the animated version. So there were extra lines in the narration put in there, but those were written by Seuss. Yeah. So, you know, so it feels very consistent, cohesive with everything else. Otherwise they give you the whole text of the book in there yeah yeah and you know they added the the bit where the the narrator just shuts up and it's the grinch going from the top of the mountain to whoville that was pure looney tunes antics right there that was pure chuck jones yeah so you know that was such a for me it's such a perfect marriage of the right people and the right sensibilities it Mm -hmm. really does feel like the book Put to screen. Oh, yeah. And I, I adore it. And it also changed some things that define things for the character mm-hmm. a lot of the bit. Like the fact that the Grinch is green comes from that special mm-hmm. because he's not colored. It's black and white. It's black book, and yeah. white in the original mm-hmm. illustration. You know, so you know, clearly the that thing's influence is all over this movie. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's like, like 
that is about pitch perfect with the book. You know yeah. how I say that like I have exceptions to my book is always better rule. This is not a movie, it's a television special, <laughs> but I would probably if you wanted to oh, if you no. wanted me to get really technical about it, I would be willing to put it there if not for the fact that it's a children's book and a television special. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I would probably say like I can't pick. Yeah. They're both so incredibly good. And I, and I think that's why I like the Jim Carrey one to a certain extent is cuz I think obviously before I ever saw the Jim Carrey one I was familiar with the book and I you know, watched the old special. And so I think to a certain extent, maybe the Jim Carrey book, like you're saying, the it made the book come to life for you. I think to a certain extent, having it expand upon the character of the Grinch and have it expand upon the character of even the, the Who's, I think that's why the movie is so impactful for me because I'm seeing more of what I already liked. And well, so I think that plays a role in it. Well, the counterpoint <clears throat> that I've heard to that, and I, and I agree with is, do we really need it? I mean, you have obviously you have yeah. to pad out the runtime to get it to ninety minutes or more. Yeah, because it's a it's a very it's a children's book. It has a very simple story. You can you know if you're an adult, you can read through it in fifteen minutes, ten if you're fast. I, you know, I think do we need it? No, but I think when you are a fan of something, you want to understand all the ins and outs. That's what a fan is. They're a fanatic. They're going to learn all the different things, and so I think. The, the Jim Carrey one, because it expounds upon it, it, it plays into those fans because they want more. So did we need it? No, not necessarily. But did we want it as as Grinch fans? Yeah, probably. Because you, you want to understand. I don't know if I wanted more. I, I don't know. I think that you there's there's going to be people who always want more of the back like the backstory they always want to you know just like i was just talking with some friends the other day about what's max's backstory like where did the grinch get max <laughs> okay this is kind of funny yeah so so the conversation i had with a buddy of mine the other day was that we we were talking about like where did max come from you know the grinch even in this movie the grinch doesn't like have max and run away with max to the mountain where did max come from well there's a lot of fans out there that think that max was probably thrown away into the garbage and that garbage suit in the in the Jim Carrey one where it's like... The Mount the, Crumpet. The Mount... Yeah, the Mount Crumpet garbage. Dump it to Mount Crumpet. Yeah. You know, he... The fan idea or theory is that someone threw away their Christmas puppy in the garbage that to, is very to sad. Mount Crumpet and the Grinch rescued him. Because, like, where did Max come from? You know, I mean, Max is in the book... Because he clearly looks at Max and puts the reindeer antler. Where did Max yeah. come from? And those are things that I think as fans, we like to theorize those things. We like to try to figure them out. Well, well let me ask you this. Is it more fun to just think of those things? Like if you have that little children's book and to just kind of think of all of this stuff? Or is it better to be left to your imagination as opposed to them making a padded out movie that quote unquote canonizes it? So, I have probably two answers to this. For, okay. For myself personally, I would rather imagine it. That's why I say I didn't need the movie. I appreciate the movie. I didn't need it. Um, for myself, I love to read. I love to imagine those things. I like to have the imagination to do those things. But I think that the world, and this is kind of my second like answer here, is that I think that as a whole, um, the world is, is like people in the world are very visual. And so, unfortunately, there's a lot of lack of 
Well, I'll just watch the movie, right? Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read the book. Oh, I'm just good gonna watch lord! The, and I'm not saying that's a good answer, but I think that people know that, and they know it'll make money, so therefore they do it. Um, right. So, <laughs> is that what I would prefer? Probably not. I like to read. Um, just like you said, there's very few that I would say that the movie's better than the book. Uh, I do have one that's probably a hot take. That oh, I- what's that? Because I, I have <laughs> one that's a hot take. My hot take is Ready Player One. I'm in the minority yeah, see, on that. I, I have not read that nor watched it, so right, well, I, I can't the, have an opinion The book on is that awful. One. The movie is okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I my hot take of the movie being better than the book is Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, yes. We've talked about that. Yeah. I had, had only read portions of Bridge to Terabithia, I think, in school. Um, and so I loved the movie as a kid. It was probably one of the first movies that we... I think we did a sibling trip and it was you me and our other brother that went to go see it in theaters and i vividly remember this because you made fun of me but i'm pretty sure it's the first movie i ever went to the theaters and cried in really yeah and you picked on me about it but that's okay what are big brothers for right but but anyway i don't remember this i i i don't remember picking on you i always really liked the movie and so just this past year i decided you know bridge to terabithia it's an easy read it's a kid's book like it's really easy so i picked it up and read it very quickly uh and i was just really disappointed there's a lot of things in the book that i don't think need to be there there was some language that as an adult now that works, I work with kids a lot. Like it was just kind of like, I really don't want a 10 year old reading some of this right. language and, and things like that. Things like we were talking about with this movie, like it just didn't need to be there. Um, but I think, and again, this, this podcast is not about this, but I just think there's things that aren't resolved in the book that get resolved very well in the movie. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's my hot take. Right. Okay. That's interesting. But yeah. so I understand that. And I understand you, you have to expand on it. You know, even the 2018 movie had to expand on things a bit to, like I said, to pad it out because it's such a simple story. Mm-hmm. So some of that's by necessity. I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. even the original TV special had to pad it out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it would take what ten minutes to read the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. But you yeah. know, but so they added you know the sleigh scene and yeah. you know they. They pad it out. Uh, they have when he builds the sleigh, and that's when they played the song. The song, well, which I mean, was written, I mean, which Dr. was Seuss written, did write that. Yeah, yeah which yeah, was written yeah. by Doctor Seuss, and you know, it was sung by the guy. I can't remember his name, but sung by the guy who was Tony the Tiger. And they, you know, which they replicate here, mm-hmm. and I don't mind that expansion, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, that just makes sense to me. Well, it but makes all it very TV ready too to put right. a song and yeah. Right, you know, so I, I, so I understand this. So even that, so basically, every adaptation has had to expand on it in one mm-hmm. form or another. And I'm not necessarily opposed to expanding on something as simple as this, but it's still. And this is where I think the '60s version really shines: is that it still remains in the spirit of the book, if that makes sense. Now that it benefited from actually having. I am so sorry for people listening to this. I keep bumping I keep my slapping mic. You guys, yeah. I, it, it benefited from actually having Dr. Seuss working on it. That was a big yeah. advantage. Yeah. Huge advantage. And, you know, the fact that it was Chuck Jones, and I think they were just, they were on the same page. The same page, yeah, for yeah, sure. With this. So I think, so I, I'm glad for that. This so didn't you, have that. This was almost feel, a decade after his death. You don't feel like the Jim Carrey one does the book justice? I think we're... I think where it stumbles the most compared to the book 
outside of the unnecessary adult humor. <laughs> well, that aside, we both don't like that. Yeah, so that is, aside. I think it misses the theme of the book a bit. Now, it gets there. Yeah. It gets there. Yeah. But the whole point of the book is the Who's understand what Christmas is about, truly. And the Grinch hates them for it and hates Christmas. And yeah, this, and I guess they do kind of play with the fact that the Who's yeah. don't pay attention. And this, and it's the same yeah. thing in the 2018 version to a certain extent, uh, from what I can remember. Yeah, but I'm just saying it carried over. Yeah, because Cindy Lou gets it. That Ron Howard, this was a Ron Howard decision to do this, and I think he did it because he needed to create conflict. He wa- oh he Lord. really wanted to expand on Cindy Lou and make it. In large part, her story. Right. And, but he had to create conflict for her. So in order to do that, she's the one who's like, what is Christmas yeah. really about? Hence the song that you love so much. <laughs> and so everyone else has this very hyper-commercialized view of Christmas. That's how the Who's are. So they translate the Who's love of Christmas as being very commercialized. And then they... By the end of the movie, because of Cindy Lou, figure out, you know what? We've been doing it wrong this whole time. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. So, like I said, the it, the movie gets it there. It gets there, but it makes the who's It gets it there, too. but it's kind of like through the back door a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, yep. That, I mean, it's just like we were watching. We say this actually almost every year when the they have the scene where they try to make the Grinch the cheermeister, which is not in the book. Obviously the Grinch never goes to Whoville. There's several sequences where he goes to Whoville before he steals Christmas. Well, I think that's funny to think about. I mean, it is kind of funny. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't entertaining. The cheermeister thing is a little much, but like the The scene where he goes and like causes havoc is definitely. Uh, definitely That that was funny. That was funny. And he goes into this tirade of a speech that you just listen to. like, he kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you okay, can hang you get myself all, with all the neckties. With all the away. Christmas neckties I get. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it goes into your garbage and then it comes to me. Yeah. But I mean, like there's a level of truth to that. You know, how often, uh, especially in, in, you know, United States where we're very Western, like we're very um, instant gratification and we're very unfortunately very like um what's the word i'm looking for we're just we're very driven by things uh materialistic m- yeah materialistic i was thinking of something else too but yeah, l- materialism like, instant gratification yeah and so like we we want the latest greatest toy but then as soon as the new latest greatest toy comes out like we're just- i want a pony so i can ride on what's get bored <laughs> and send it away to turn into glue yeah uh But, I mean, like, you know, it's interesting to have the Grinch movie bring that up because I think that is a very prominent thing, especially in the United States. We're very driven by things. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, behind the scenes here a little bit, but, like, I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I just had this conversation with my students at church the other day uh, talking about how we need to be good stewards of the things we have. And I talked about something as simple as their toys. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... (laughs) If you have a toy you don't play with anymore, don't just toss it to the side. Like, let's take care of it. And if you don't want it anymore, like, let's give it to someone that will or donate it or, you know, like, 
And then you have weirdos like me who are still kids at heart and took such good care of them. They're still around. Really? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't. you can't see it on the shelf very well, kaiju lovers, but I have a 25-year-old figure. Now, it wasn't originally mine. Someone gave it to me. But that Godzilla still, 98 up there. Still impressive. Uh, that's 25 years old. The little boy that I babysit would be very excited to oh. see all of these things. Oh, uh, <laughs> dang it. His name is escaping me. Probably shouldn't say it. Probably not. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, like I said, it gets there. And I don't know. Maybe it was because they had to expand it so that, again, we can have some conflict. But the beauty of the book is how much of a contrast there is because it's supposed to be you know, it, it very it's supposed to be very black and white. The Grinch is the villain. The Grinch doesn't understand Christmas. The Grinch hates Christmas. He's the monster. He's the monster. Got to put that in there. Right. He's the monster. Yeah. The Who's are, you know, I guess you could say the angels, the saints, whatever. They understand what Christmas is really about, and it's the fact that he tries to ruin Christmas for them. But they still find joy mm -hmm. on Christmas Day, so he learns that Christmas is transcendent. Mm -hmm. That what you know, he learns it, and that's what makes that like I said, that's what makes the story powerful. You know, there's a there's an innocence to the Who's. It's not just Cindy Lou; it's all right, and that's missing here. It's really just Cindy Lou, and again, like I said. I, obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously, the rest of the Who's are nowhere close to being the Grinch. Yep, nowhere well, close. Even the well, you know, even the kind of crooked mayor is nowhere close to being the Grinch. I'm not sure. I agree, but oh, really? You think the the mayor is a Grinch? I think he's a Grinch, but he's just a selfish Grinch. He's very all about himself. Um, I mean, you can tell even just in the way that like he proposes to. Martha, Martha, Martha May, May Huvier or whatever her yeah. name. You got it right. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think like there's a lot of selfishness there and that can be very Grinch like as well. He may not hate Christmas, but like there's, there's issues there too. Right. Uh, but like I said, I still wouldn't put him on the same level. I don't think he necessarily hates people. I think he's annoyed with people and he wants his way. Well, because he's selfish. I right. mean, he's very obviously antagonistic towards the Grinch because he's selfishly like, don't look at my girlfriend, which I, I sarcastically said to you today. Um, does she know that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> um, she does. Kind of thinking he just claimed her. <laughs> the <laughs> muscles. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Grinch has been walking out. He's been, uh, it's about crumpet. He has a gym. Nobody sees it. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's the symbols that he holds together from that little monkey thing. Oh, from the monkey. To, you know, a sedative. Uh, Where's my sedative? sedative? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Grinch. That would be horrible. <laughs> Jingle all the way is enough. <laughs> Max, bring me my sedative. I'll be back. <laughs> Jerry duty, Jerry duty, blackmail, pink slip. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I would much rather have Johnny Depp than, than him. Right. But anyway, so I, I see what you mean there. But and I, I like I said, that it's just one of those things. 
like I said, it gets to the lesson of the book. For sure. Yeah. But it's I don't know. I feel hey, like not, it not I feel like say, it kind of I'll mi- give you that. Yeah, I feel like it kind of misses it even though it gets there. It's weird. It's yeah, no, I would agree with you. I could see I guess I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, it is kind of interesting that like they're making the who's learn it with him because Cindy's the only one that gets it. Um I guess I just never thought of it that way, but yeah, I guess that does kind of lose some of its its gusto because then like I, I don't know, it just it doesn't it doesn't hit the same. Uh, no, it doesn't. So, but yeah, I'll give you that. So even though I think it stumbles really hard there, if they had left the adult humor out, I think it would have landed a bit better for me as an adaptation. Well, I mean, would've... I would have liked it better if the adult humor was gone. Well, yeah, so. but because I just, it doesn't feel quite Susian to me, which is why I find it weird that his widow was pretty, it sounds like she was pretty involved in approving everything. I'm like, and she still was a involved, few things got through. But she clearly had a problem with that stuff. Right, but like, there were still some things that got through, which is like, why did it you let may that? Not have, but it may not have been her choice. You know what I mean? Like she might have had some veto power, but clearly even Jim Carrey didn't have veto power. Well, some of it, he just wished that, he, I think he wishes he had pushed back. What I well, yeah, but still, like, clearly, you know, even Audrey didn't have that much right. say. So Now, on the other hand, while I have issues with it there, and, and those two aspects, this is really the two biggest aspects I take issue with. I will confess, kaiju lovers, the cast kind of saves it for me a bit, especially Carrie. I think Jim Carrey for sure saves it. I don't know. I mean, he. I don't know. He puts. I mean, I know people have complained about his performance in this movie. Let's be real. The real MVP of this movie is the six dogs that played Max. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I have, but they were impressive dogs. But I'm just saying. I know. (laughs) Brilliant. I know some people take issue with Carrie's performance in this because he's big all the time. I mean, again, that is just, but that was Jim Carrey doing the Jim Carrey shtick. But I think he's it big fits. all the time. I really do think it fits. Well, you mean you look at the cartoon and the Grinch is not that over the top by comparison. No, but I think you know when you think about it, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. But I just I feel like when you're alone like that, and you, I mean, wallowing in self-loathing, <laughs> like. Uh, it makes sense to me to a certain extent, psychologically speaking, that he would be that big and animated because he has no one else except Max. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like so to be big and over the top is is I mean the whole scene with the hello, you know, and the hello back and the echo, like he only had himself so he had to entertain himself somehow. Mm-hmm. And so why not be big and eccentric? Because Hello! who cares? The dog certainly doesn't care. So I don't, I don't know. That doesn't bother me that much. But I do, I'll grant you that to a certain extent, the book obviously wants him to be a little bit more broody. Yes. Um, I mean, he's broody in this, but it's... Yeah, but not yeah, the But it's same. a different kind of broody. It's very loud like, broody. I, I feel like the broody people probably want, based off of the book, is more Eeyore-esque. Oh, Eeyore. But as opposed to as opposed to hating the who the hating the who's alphabetically. Yes. Hate, hate, hate. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it was like, I hate you. Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Loathe entirely. 
But you have to get the hand motion. <laughs> Entirely. <laughs> yes. With so those giant gloves with the things. With the uh, with the tufts of hair have, on it. I have tufts on my wrist. That's yeah, it. yeah. Which only the people watching the video can yes. see. Yes. Yeah. I'm wearing a Grinch onesie for those of you that are not watching. You missed it. Yeah, I know you. You missed quite a bit of it. It's like an adult. It's like adult pajamas, <laughs> and it's soft. Yes. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she won't even let me hug her without death threats, okay? <laughs> There's a reason I like the Grinch. Uh, yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> Are you feeling particularly Grinchy today? But anyway, I like I said, I, so I know people take umbrage with that. I admittedly enjoy his performance in this. I'm not so bothered by it because he just he puts so much into it. Oh, yeah. It's like... Carrie almost never. But what Carrie doesn't does, he put everything This into? is one of those movies where Carrie just puts 110% in. You mean he He's doesn't do in. that on every movie? Uh, there's some I would argue may, probably not. But he definitely just throws it all in there. Yeah. And I, so I give him a lot of credit. I, As much as we kind of picked on Little Miss Taylor... She's a decent actress. She does yeah. well in this as Cindy Lou, probably better than you would expect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other characters are fine for what they're doing and what they're supposed to be. So, you know, so I give the cast credit. Also, Ron Howard's brother. I was going to say Ron Howard's brother always makes a cameo. Do something. Yeah, he always makes a cameo or just has a small part in in his brother's movies. What's his his brother's name again? Ron Howard's brother? Yeah. Oh, I've I heard him be interviewed on talk yeah. shows. I can't remember it now. He was, I, I and he used was, to know. When he was a kid, he was actually on an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. They dubbed over him, though, because he's supposed to sound like an adult. Hmm. It was weird. <laughs> can't be any weirder than you voicing your pseudo-sister. Yeah, there's a reason that joke only worked once. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a reason I got hired. Uh, yes, quite. But, <laughs> but anyway, so... I think I understand why it's why people either don't like it or it's a mixed bag for them or it's a guilty pleasure because it's a guilty pleasure for me. And but it's not the only Christmas movie guilty pleasure I have. We've mentioned Jingle All the Way. I know it's not a good movie. It's not. It's not a good movie. But Dagnabbit Schwarzenegger sells just about anything for me. And I have the Turbo Man. You want to talk about... I have the Turbo Man! Oh my gosh, you had it right here. Oh my word. You want to talk about being materialistic. Yeah, the Jingle All the Way is a very commercial take on Christmas. Too much glitter. Uh, we don't have time for glitter! No, uh, anyway, only, only my Power Trip listeners will get that. It's a line from Power Rangers. There's no time for glitter! Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, wait, that's bronchitis. <laughs> what? You don't remember that viral video from like 10 years ago? No. There is this viral. Wow. There's like this viral video from like 10 years ago of some woman getting interviewed because her apartment complex caught on fire. And oh, that. People take oh, that little that, Now I know. And she has bronchitis. Okay. And so they she was like made famous on the internet because they took it and turned it into a song. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, okay. Ain't nobody got time for that. I know what you mean by that. But, you know, I know we've been, one of the things that we do a lot, like I said, is we quote it. 
Mm-hmm. We quote a lot. We've I think we've unpacked a lot of the thematic stuff and the ad, and its strengths and weaknesses as, as oh, yeah. an adaptation. We quote this a lot. Yeah, we've already mentioned a lot of it. Like I every time I watch it, I'm like, Good Lord, I say that. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. say that all the time, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes we do call and respond with each other throughout the whole year, people. So all I have to do is mm-hmm. say, hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I asked you first. I asked you first. You're an idiot. You did that wrong. Oh, okay. What was the Wow. Uh, Wow, I screwed it up. I know that you're an idiot as a part of it. You're supposed to say, I'm an idiot. Oh, to I'm an idiot. It. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're an idiot. And then he says, I'm just going to whisper so that my time it comes back to me. I won't be able to hear it. You're an idiot. Which is appropriate because you call me Baka all the time you know, when you're uh-huh. Crystal Lady. This is correct. Which is Japanese for idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's perfect. Well, what are some of your other favorite lines that maybe we haven't talked about tonight? Um, I, d- I definitely have quoted the it's because I'm green, isn't oh, it? It's because I'm green, isn't it? Yeah, I actually went when I first. It's kind of adultish? Yeah. But- yeah, when I. Well, yeah, a little bit. But when I first got my Grinch onesie, I went to a Christmas party and I was at the party and. I definitely was hamming it up. I was quoting the movie a lot. But I remember one of my friends just like kind of was looking at me like, what in the world are you wearing? And I had this moment where I looked at him and there was just silence for a second. And I just looked at him and went, it's because I'm green, isn't it? (laughs) And he was very confused, but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, and then there's uh, one of my favorites is, aren't you going to cuff me? Put me in a chokehold? Blind me with pepper spray. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I I definitely um one of them that I think I say a lot is uh like dad move it. <laughs> and I definitely we say, say that, that to our dad. To my dad, yes. <laughs> uh, dad, also, move it. I also do the when he's on top of the of Mount Crumpet with the sleigh and he looks at Max and he's like, "We did it. We did it." And he's like clapping. I do that a lot, especially with our other brother Jared. Like I will say that, and he'll even do it with me. And we're we both dead, we're dead. we both clearly know it's from the Grinch. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just great. All right, there's just there's so many that I keep every time we watch it. I'm like, I say that, or we say it to yeah. each other. It's almost too many. Uh, I also have been known to like stub my toe or something and be like, "Owie!" Which but is actually from Liar Liar. It's actually Liar Liar, but I do think he kind of does it in the Grinch. No, a he little, does, but not quite that. I don't think it's quite that extent. Accentuated in the Grinch, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I quote. <laughs> I was, oh, the one that I say a lot is uh, when is like solve world hunger. Tell no one. Yes. That's I will just yeah. say tell no one. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say that for any for lots of things. If I'm telling people they have to keep it secret, it's like yeah. tell no one. But there's there's definitely little quips that like he says a lot that I have been known to say. Um, I definitely know that, like, I've done the, you know, but what would I wear? (laughs) You know, like, going to go to, I don't know, a wedding or something. But what would I wear? (laughs) So That's it. I'm not going. That's it. I'm not going. (laughs) I'm trying to, like I said, there's just a lot of quotable. Most of them are from Carrie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, Carrie gets all the good lines. Or most of them, anyway. He didn't get them. He made them. He made them. <laughs> Let's be real. He did make them. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely quotable. It happens all year. I can't think of some of the other ones, but I mean, yeah, we definitely. Oh, uh, duh, duh, when he when he's, he's like, I'm leaking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeding. <laughs> oh, that and the 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 sleigh's falling down, and he's like, "Why do I care? <laughs> and I care." Oh, well, what when, is the deal? <laughs> yeah, you say that. I or say when that uh, when Max is happy to see him <laughs> after his heart grows three sizes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah, he's like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. One step at a time. <laughs> One step at a time. I think I just said that yesterday. So, yeah, in that voice. One step at a time. One step at a time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a quotable movie. Yeah. Jim Carrey movies typically are, but... but yeah. I, this one, yeah. Especially since it's more accessible, I would say, for a lot of people. It's more age-appropriate, mm -hmm. even with the adult humor in it, compared to most of Jim Carrey's other stuff. Yeah, yep. As much as we love Liar Liar, we're not showing that to kids. <laughs> I would be hesitant to even show this to kids just because of the adult humor. Uh, I, I have a friend who's a teacher that said that they're going to watch The Grinch in class this week before break. And I looked at her and I was like, which one though? Like I thought she was going to show the 60s version. And she's like, oh, we're going to watch the new one. And I was like, why? <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely Jim Carrey would be a rough one to show to a class of fourth graders. So uh, possibly the sixties version is probably the best one to go with. Besides, yeah. you can finish that in one class period. You could finish it in one class period and read the book, and huh. like, duh. But duh. that's all right. That's all right. Make him read the book, then you should watch. The if there's any teachers listening, there you go. <laughs> You're welcome. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, you got any got any more thoughts on? It? I mean, I think we've covered this pretty thoroughly. I think so. I think I've gotten out a lot of the things I was thinking of. Um, I definitely was very intrigued this week by the Max. Uh, the Max thought of him being thrown in the garbage. <laughs> it was a little depressing. If but I it makes a weird sort of sense. It does. It does. If I had not had thrown my phone on the floor earlier, I would probably read you some Grinch jokes before we're done. But I um, kind of remember some of them. Uh, yeah. There, well, the one that I think is really clever but like everybody obviously gets it before the punchline comes out so there's no dramatic pause really because everybody will get it but it's the um what is the grinch's least favorite band and what's that the who that's a good one yeah, yeah you read them all to me and they're all dad joke levels of puns yeah they definitely are i think there was one about like why um why does the elf always look mad and it's because he has a resting Grinch face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, why is the Grinch such a good gardener? I think this is the one I got. You did get this one, yeah. He has a green thumb. He's a green thumb, yeah. <laughs> that, that's just a variation off of a really old joke. Yeah, yep. Really old joke. But there you go. Your Christmas humor for the season? For the season. I guess, yeah. Yes, quite. So I, we, I think no. as much as, I mean, for those of you who are watching the video, you can see this. As much as I have foibles with this movie, as much as I think it falters as an adaptation of the book, at least it's better than this piece of garbage. Mm hmm. For those who can't see, it's the poster for The Mean One, an unofficial. 
quote-unquote adaptation of the Grinch that's getting away with it because they're citing the parody clause the un- of uh, of copyright law. The unmitigated gall. The unmitigated gall. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> the unmitigated gall. Yeah, I just... I'm sorry. I, I feel very compelled to write an entire article, blog post, or whatever, talking about this trend, because this is not the only one. No. Famously, we I think I think this was announced first. It took a really long time to for it to you know to not to get made but to get distributed. It just was released. It's even playing here in town. I was shocked to find that out. I thought it was too obscure for people to care. But it's just so sad. Like yeah. I just this is well, it's, I should say this is a horror movie quote unquote adaptation that they labeled as a parody to get away with it. I just But there is another one that's uh, Winnie the Pooh. It's called Winnie it's Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. And then I found out that there's another one being that's based on the Wizard. Well, I just I just saw the trailer for it and it looked really stupid. It was based on the Wizard of Oz, but it's like a pseudo sequel to the Wizard of Oz, but it's about Dorothy's granddaughter just, and Dorothy is a crazy is a crazy old woman in a, in a nursing home. And it's just so sad to me that like we can't come up with anything new. In well, Hollywood. it's not only so, that. So we take a children's classic. Yeah. And I'm sure they're doing it because they think by now those people that loved those things as children are now adults that would get no, into the I, horror. But like, I don't want to get too much into it because I'm going to save that for my blog post. But I think there's a level of cynicism that goes to it. There's a level of like, I would be an edge lord and turn the wholesome kids stuff into. The worst thing ever. I mean, there's there's not a shred of creativity in this. It's just a slasher movie. Yeah. There's 10 million of these things. Yeah. It's just a slasher movie with a pseudo Grinch in it. It's it's very unfortunate. Which is look what's what the this Winnie the Pooh one looks like it's gonna be too. It's just a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Again, sorry for bumping the mic. It's just a slasher movie with a children's character in it. They can't even do something interesting with it. Yeah. I mean, and with the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Oz one, I think, I think what is it? I think it's called, uh, I think it's called Gale. Something or other. There's a subtitle. And. Okay. I mean, at least with the Wizard of Oz, there's some horror elements baked into that cake already. Mm-hmm. Okay. American fairy tale. We have witches. Mm-hmm. We have monsters. Mm-hmm. Weird things. It's baked into the cake. There's still some scenes in the original movie that are actually flying monkeys. I mean, it's it's scary. Okay. I actually knew a woman who was terrified of the movie because of the flying, flying monkeys. Monkey. And, you know, they go to the haunted forest mm-hmm. and they're afraid of spooks. I mean, it's baked into the cake. Lions and tigers and bears. Yeah. Oh my. The Grinch. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Those don't have horror elements baked into it. It's just try it's nothing but shock value. It's just edginess for the sake of being edgy. And I will leave it at that. Mm-hmm. I have zero interest in ever seeing this. Unless I'm basically forced to do it if I hang out with the right friends, but I'm gonna warn them. It's like, if you're gonna make me watch that, you are gonna have to just cut me loose and let me riff it. That is the only way I will put up with it. I would. I have to make then. fun of it if you insist on watching it. No. Nah, and I, if we're I gonna watch it, it you're paying for it because I'm not giving a dime to this thing. I wouldn't even give it that. 
Well, that is the only way anyone, be it known, is the only way you're going to get me to say it. So if any of you crazy patrons try to you know, try to talk me into covering this on the podcast, the answer is no. I don't care how much you pay me. Pick something else. Brilliant. I have principles. <laughs> yep. Principles. Anyway. Unless you have anything else to add to I do not. that unfortunate thing. here For those who are watching, here are my sources. I'm probably, I need to add the article that you were referencing earlier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'll add that to the podcast version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, when I make the public version of this mm-hmm. uh, for the YouTube channel. So I, we'll probably expand on this a little bit. But I do, and I, I might add the, the special features from the... DVD and Blu-ray, because I'm guessing a lot of the information that we talked about is in those two. Yeah, probably. Yep. Because I think I've watched those before, so I know there's a lot of the mm-hmm. same stuff in there. So I'll probably add those two. It's a pretty decent release, too, I have to say, for the film. Yeah. You know, but people don't appreciate physical media anymore. It disappoints I bought me. another copy, so. Yes. I definitely appreciate physical. I don't even have a Kindle. I love to read, but I yeah. got physical books. <laughs> Did you know Wally Paper. just got released on the Criterion Collection? Really? Interesting. I want it. <laughs> but I love Pixar. Yeah. Well, I love what Pixar was. I think Pixar lost its way. <laughs> like a lot of studios. It happens. <sighs> it's so tragic. Anyway. So tragic. Anyway, with that, I think we will move on to the Patreon exclusive portion where I interview my sister about playing a superheroine on this podcast. Which is something that still astonishes me, but we'll get into that. Hmm. So, thank you for joining us. If you want to check out my other podcasts, check out Henshin Men and the Power Trip. If you want to get a hold of me on the podcast, if you want to get a hold of me, the email address, the contact information, links to the website and all that will be mentioned in the credits. You can also find the links to those in the show notes. Is there anything you would like to plug before we go? Watch the Grinch. All righty. Because <laughs> you don't do stuff on the internet. I do not. Not really. Not really. No. Nope. You're a talented photographer, though. Thank you. I I don't sell anything yet, though, so. Oops. One step at a time. Yeah, one step at a time. <laughs> one Gosh, step at a time. <laughs> no. All right. With that, we'll move on to the Patreon section. Thank you for joining us, and Merry Christmas. Say anything to the to the lovely listeners? Happy Hanukkah. Moving on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you want to join the discussion and be heard on the show, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is at the Monster Isla One. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. Follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy and our many other colorful characters using the links in the show notes. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive, live edit by B33J, Serax, Juan Madrano and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack, Battle with the Colossus, and 
the opened way, Battle with the Colossus, by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara! <laughs>